1: Hello, i'm matt waterworth i'm a filmmaker podcaster and creator here in alberta canada and i'm here today to host a very special episode of escaping denver it's a season one roundtable discussion with panelists deal Velasquez from chorus entertainment investigative journalist john seekers and former wwe superstar lance storm we're going to be discussing spoilers from the first season so make sure you go back and listen to all the episodes before you tune in to this one thanks for joining us so I'd love to introduce uh, Dila Velasquez, producer at Curious Cast and Course Entertainment. Can you tell us a little bit about your involvement in the show?
2: Sure. Um, so I'm the content manager for Curious Cast, and so I oversee all of the shows for off the network. And part of that is uh, escaping Denver. Uh, so we've been since basically when the show got pitched uh, all the way through to figuring out the logo for the show, working together with the guys. And then uh, as far as like scripting is concerned, um, I kind of assisted a little bit, uh, mostly at the beginning to make sure that we were capturing sort of the audio quality of the story, because sometimes it would be like visual things. And so um, it's mostly development and just kind of getting the show on the rails. Then after that, the guys have taken it away.
1: Okay, very cool. Thank you. Uh, John Seacrest, we have you as well. Essentially, I have about a decade
0: worth of experience in local journalism, uh, working at various radio stations uh, across, well, across B.C., the island, uh, the Okanagan, um, uh, and then, of course, in Metro Vancouver as well, Vancouver proper. So my beat was uh, more municipal politics, but also crime, but also entertainment. And then, um, of course, if you're in a newsroom and the phone rings and you answer it, your beat becomes whatever that person is going to be talking to you about. So uh, I have a couple of stories. Um, I will say right out of the outset here, um, you know, before I got into into journalism, um, I'm not sure if I was uh, a big supporter or even a big believer in in paranormal and in different things like that. Um, And I'm still not I'm still not 100 percent sure. I'll be honest with you. I'm very much, uh, you know, I have to see it to
1: believe it. All right. Well, thanks, John. That's awesome. Uh, I appreciate, <laughs> appreciate that. Um, Lance, uh, let's go to you. Uh, what's, your, what's your involvement with the show? What, uh, what, do you, what do you think of it? Tell us about your, I, your I'm just
3: a fan of the show. Uh, as a pro wrestler for 30 years, I got used to portable audio stuff you can listen to uh, anywhere uh, while you're doing other things or traveling. So I've been a big podcast fan. And I'm old enough to remember old school radio plays. You know, I was discovered The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy as a BBC radio play and loved that. And so when Brady, who's a friend of mine, mentioned Escaping Denver, I'm like, I'll check that out and became a big fan right away. And I really enjoyed it and, and got into the, The imagination of it, I think. I'm also a big reader, and the fact that you get to do a lot of the visualization in a lot of ways, I think it's better than television. In that you're not limited by what they can shoot or someone else's vision; you get your own vision. So I've really enjoyed just being a fan of the series.
1: Awesome, I'm right there with you. I'm I'm a big fan of uh, of, of the old timey radio shows. So. It's, it's really cool to get into a show like this. So, Lance, tell me, have you ever been to the Denver airport?
3: Oh, geez. <laughs> yes, I've been to the Denver airport so many times. Uh, again, as a pro wrestler, you fly a lot. As a pro wrestler based in Calgary, you do a lot of connections through Denver. So I, I've done a lot uh, of, of time in the Denver airport. And I can attest to the few times I actually wrestled in Denver where I wasn't just connecting at airports out in the middle of nowhere. And, and for the longest time, because, I, again, I think I was visiting it when it was first opening, or at least not long after. It's like there wasn't even hotels or restaurants near it for the longest time. It was just out in the middle of nowhere. And it's like, what the hell? So, yeah, I've logged lots of time in the Denver airport uh, making connections or going to Denver.
1: And finding any tunnels or or mysterious elements to this?
3: Uh, I've never know. woken up underneath the Denver airport, thankfully. <laughs> um, assuming that is, in fact, where uh, Noah and Sarah actually are.
1: True point. We don't necessarily know that yet. Um, Dila, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, what do you think is happening here? What, like You, you know, I, I sort of thought by the end of the show, we'll know. And we certainly have a lot more information than we did compared to episode one, but, but I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on what is going on here.
2: Here's the thing as as the way that we tend, like, not we, but I tend to produce shows, is that I know as much as the audience knows. Literally, I don't see a single thing script forward. I have no idea where season two is going. So, and I think we do it on purpose. That way the guys get basically the same experience of like what a first time listener would be, you know, would experience. And so when I'm trying to shape the story or figure out questions that I'm confused about, I'm literally listening to the whole thing as if I was a first time listener listener so like my theories are basically as important or not as the listeners I have absolutely no further insight on where we're going than you guys so we're all on the same page
1: so so even better then what, what do you think is going on <laughs> um
2: tough to say like I I think Think they're in the Denver airport. I'd like to believe that, also because we have a lot of fans in Denver. So I would like to believe that this is what's happening. Architecturally, I have some questions. Um, Good point. <laughs> like just the logistics <laughs> of the locations feels a bit fantastical for it to be Denver, but I would like it to be.
1: Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. John, what what about you? What do you, what do you think is happening here? And, and, uh, you know, from your, through your lens, like what kind of, uh, is there anything that sort of jumps out at you as something that, uh, might be, I mean, I think a lot of things are sort of taken from the real world or the real paranormal world.
0: It's funny because uh, I know a little a, a tiny little bit about about the Denver airport before uh, or knew a, a little bit about the Denver airport before going you did, into this series. Mm-hmm. I'm
1: kind of into like like coast to coast am like I've I've yeah. <laughs> but I had not heard any of this.
0: Really yeah you know it was always um I remember I had heard something about them putting like a big sculpture outside the airport and that attracted some, some controversy. And there's always questions about like what's going on in there. I think uh, what's so interesting about this is that there's so much, um, uh, there's so much chatter about the Denver airport, but of course nothing's concrete. These are all just ideas and theories and stuff like that. And, uh, and uh, different types of, of things like that. So for them to take something that's really out in the open, but hasn't been totally discovered and, and kind of run with it, um, it's really, really interesting. And, um, you know, uh, I do have several theories, <laughs> you know, I, I did the run back of the show again, cause I wanted to do, uh, I've been listening to every episode, but I wanted to hear them all again. Plus the new episode. Um, and man, oh man, oh man, it was so funny. I feel just a little bit vindicated because at the end, uh, and of course, spoiler alert, I, I think you already said that, but at the end when we started getting into the, uh, uh the reveal about the time element, there was a little something in there. I was thinking I, I, You know, I I think there might be something to do with maybe time travel or maybe, you know, he's been knocked out for a couple of years. I had a little tiny inkling and I don't even really know why, but there's my five second brag is that I I thought there might be something to do with that. And I felt so amazingly vindicated when it actually happened. Um, You know, it's such an interesting show. And um, yeah, as I said, I think it's so interesting to find something that a lot of people are talking about and really dig into it and try to find and and try to explore and and dig up some, uh, some other things about it it's it's a really really interesting uh, experience so far it yeah. is yeah
3: but i think that's a real credit also to the writing in that i'm not a conspiracy theory guy i had never heard any of these i had zero knowledge of it but it doesn't hurt the entertainment value of the show it's almost like if you're aware of these other conspiracy theories it's those easter eggs that you can tie into stuff you've heard about but it's written well enough and brings the the story through that you don't need any of that knowledge. And I think, too, the strength of the show to me is that it jumps you right in. It actually reminds me, it was a novel that I had read that when I was in Europe, my wife sent it to me, but it was missing like the first chapter or two. So it's like you're just in this and it's like there's this guy in a monastery, the lights are out and it's like people are dying. And it's like, what the hell's going on? And this constant desire to figure out what the hell's going on was really gripping. And I got that from escaping Denver because we're just like, Noah wakes up and he's there. It's like, where the hell is he? What the hell is going on? And I think the constant evolution through season one of where you don't even know the, the genre of this, because to me, it starts off as a bit of a suspense thriller and then you've got Chupacabra's another thing. It's like, okay, is there a little bit of a supernatural element to this thing? And then you get into New World Order, and it's like, okay, you've got another element. And it's just such a rich, deep show that I can't imagine anyone that tries it can't find one of these elements that fits into their wheelhouse of what they like from entertainment. Right. And then when you throw, and, and this is something too that really satisfies me because I am just the most nitpicky anal retentive detail guy. And it was the one little thing in the back of my mind is they really better tie up how all these messages are getting to this guy. And I think it was like the second or the third last episode where they talked about reception and I'm like, all right, they're going to do it. And, and it's, they tie up those loose ends by the end of season one where you get, okay, how this is coming together. But then as, um, John, correct. John mentioned Then there's that also that time shift element of Noah being really out of in a different time space than than Sarah is that it brings yet another element to the story. And I I think it's the it's a big credit to the writing, how they grab you and you're just constantly in the state of a what's going on with Sarah and Noah. And on a Mm. deeper level, it's like, you know. There's just all these different elements of, again, thriller, suspense, you know, all this stuff. And the conspiracy theories, if you didn't know ahead of time, you don't even have to. You just learn about the story that's being written. And it's just a great series.
1: Yeah, it's a great access point to that. Uh, And that sort of brings us to the narrator. The fact that the messages did get out was a wonderfully triumphant moment, but also kind of a heartbreaker because we know that the narrator is not having success helping them. So, so. Uh, that that wasn't a fun <laughs> realization, as much as it was for for the characters. And speaking of the characters, Dilo, what what do you think of Noah and Sarah? What do you, what are your thoughts on them? Um, you know, from from a story perspective, are they both who they say they are? I mean, there's a lot of you know they don't necessarily trust each other. There are other voices coming into play on that, and certainly fans have had their their doubts about them as well.
2: As far as when we're talking about specifics of the story, I feel out of place speaking about Escaping Denver because Mike has done such a good job and is such a passion project for the writers that as a producer, I would try to shape it sort of a general tone and perspective. So like, I want to make sure that the audience is getting the best experience, but if you're talking about nitty gritty, the feelings of Noah and Sarah, I would be feeling really out of place talking about that because Mike his blood, sweat, and tears come through <laughs> those, like so through that script. Yeah, like absolutely. the reason why it resonates to the audience and the reason why we are all talking about this right now. I mean, and I know that you guys want to talk about specifics or so theories and my thoughts on those theories and all that stuff, but I just feel so frankly out of place knowing the beauty and the passion and just... It's, you know, it's Mike, it's Brady, it's Matt. It's those guys. Like they are this show. And so like, I would like to pontificate about my own theories as a fan of the show,
3: but I'm not, I'm
2: a producer. So like, it's important to me as I am a fan and of the show and a producer, but like, this is a, the love is the thing that I just want to make sure that is captured when they're putting stuff on the page like I just want to make sure that it's shaped enough and like enough on the rails so it's the best product that they're putting forward and so sorry I know like I kind of sidelined the conversation a little bit because you guys really wanted to talk about theory but I think (laughs) it's just as far as like inside on the show and inside on the script like I would love to give my thoughts and ideas but there's just it would be tainting kind of my own ideas and thoughts sure, okay. personally to the kind of the the project themselves, and I don't want to speak out of turn because I know no, that's totally fair. How loving and, it is a project for the
1: guys, and and as a creator myself, it's it it's so nice to know that that you're so behind this show in in that way. So that's amazing. But what about you, John and Lance? What what are your thoughts on these two characters? Are they are they legit? Are they who we think they are?
3: I don't think so, but I I do think the relationship and the chemistry of the two is a big part of what I like about the show. And, you know, I I think also, too, again, full disclosure, I'm friends with Brady, uh, the the voice of Noah, who, again, sounds way shorter than he's portrayed on the show. (laughs) But that dynamic where she doesn't really believe in him and she gives him shit. It's like, there's a good dynamic and relationship between the two. And, and I think it really struck me when the later episodes where they kind of separated for a bit, it's like, I was like kind of disappointed. And then we come back together at the end. It's like, there's something there. And I think the big thing that hit me because Noah read it differently than I did, I think it was the final episode when he, you know, they were talking about, are they going to be able to kill someone? You know, I think Noah said somebody, you know, I haven't killed someone. She said, well, I have. And he's like, oh, right. The guy she threw against the wall. But it's like, in my mind, that wasn't what Sarah was thinking, that it's like, I've killed people before. This is shit I've done. Right. And it's like, I think there's going to be a lot more to Sarah. And I'm, I'm hopeful of that. But it's just when she said that, I totally read it as I've killed people before. I've done this not just once by accident. It's like, no, I've killed people before and I'm going to get shit done. And and I think Sarah is a really strong character.
2: Like Lance, to be fair, like that was, there's like inklings and droppings and little foreshadowings about Sarah having that from basically the beginning. Like Mike has written Sarah in such a like beautiful, like subtle way in the sense that He hasn't like we know what we know from her, but there are those nuggets are there from the beginning. Like it's like you're introduced and you're supposed to have that sort of spidey sense to Sarah that there is that whole side to her. From the fact that like she knew how to get the 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 bed done so she could use the bed frame like the bed uh, to
3: break Noah's hand. <laughs> but, but
2: from the like from the beginning, right? Yes. So from the beginning, we know that there is a, another depth to her, uh, where Noah it kind of came off as like, oh, I'm kind of stoked that this is happening, like this is part of my adventure. But I'm scared, but like it's he was kind of stoked, right? Sarah, on the other hand, was like survival mode. And I think that is kind of what the payoff is a bit in the end, is that those nuggets that you see the seeds in episode kind of one, you kind of see them germinate all the way through.
1: John thoughts on our, our heroes. Absolutely. Well, we talked
0: a lot about Sarah. So um, just a little bit about Noah. Um, I loved his, his arc so far. Uh, In the program, just because at the very beginning, um, even though I I, I love Brady and I love his voice work, the character annoyed me a little bit because it just almost seemed like he didn't get it. Like he didn't get that this was a very difficult situation. And he was almost uh, having fun. Exactly, right? And I'm just thinking, like, if this was me, like, no, (laughs) like no. Um, And Sarah, to me, seemed a lot more realistic in how she kind of dealt with things. Uh, As you guys mentioned, very strong character. You can definitely tell the the passion that and the thought that went in writing that character um, and and making her the way that she is. Uh, But Noah is such an interesting guy because he's almost not afraid at the very beginning. He's almost super excited to be caught up. In a conspiracy theory, uh, or I guess it's not really a conspiracy theory, but it's actually happening, but caught up in a situation that, uh, you know, he seems very, very eager to be in. But then near the end, once he's been through everything, he's lost his hand, he's seen dogs without eyes, like he's been through a lot, and now it's not so funny anymore. And, uh, you know, especially near the revelation at the end, with, you know, you're adding, adding in that factor of the, uh, the time shift or, or maybe he's been knocked out for a little bit. We don't really know what's going on there. You know, it's just such an interesting uh, uh, character arc to see him start from almost like this happy-go-lucky kid that really wants to tag along and be part of this adventure to being like, get me the heck out of here. I'm done with this and I'm not having fun anymore. Right? And, you know, of course, um, I, I think a big testament to that as well, the writing, but also the voice work to get it into there. Um, and one thing that you guys have all touched on, I think is very important to touch on is just the chemistry between the two leads, um, in their voice work. I was just going to ask, I'm not sure if you know the, the answer to this, Matt, but, um, were these, were these recordings, were they done in the same room? Because it seemed like you guys... Uh, Brady and and uh, I'm so sorry the uh, the, the lead actress her name because I'm on the spot right now I can't remember it just seemed like there was a lot of give and take and the two of them were playing off each other's emotions. I mean was that the same room or were you guys doing this are you guys just super talented and doing it in two different locations?
1: Yeah, it's Greta and and yeah, uh, yeah. I'm told they were they they did record together in the same room um, and uh, and yeah I agree you can you can feel some of that energy um, in those moments. Um, one of the other things I love about the show is, is that much like a book, Lance, and you were pointing this out, you know, the, the listener is kind of in control of creating the world in their head, um, using some of the sound effects, some of the, some of the incredible, like Foley work that's done in the show. Um, and I'm curious about how you formed the monsters in your own minds. You know, what, what might've been your, your favorite monster that appeared in your head and anyone can jump on.
3: I don't know. I, I, I guess the chupacabras cause they're more common, the dogs and the eyes and stuff. And I don't know. I don't quite often pin down a specific image. I just, I, I think maybe that sort of where you go to what scares you. And it's like, to me, it's more of a darkness that you don't get a clear picture in my head because if you get too many details, to me, it starts becoming less scary. And actually, it um, I, I read a um, F. Paul Wilson. He's got a Repairman Jack series. And in the first novel, The Tomb, there's the rakosh And it's this evil thing. And it's like, I don't have an exact image in my head, but I have this thing that scares the crap out of me. And it's like I've seen other, you know, uh, artist renditions, and I'm just like, no, it's like that just doesn't work. <laughs> totally, yeah. <laughs> and no, I that's, think that's not what it is. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I like about this is I don't have to pin it down exactly. Where it's like, because it starts looking too much like a dog, it's like it's a dog. I love dogs, and so right. the fact that I can keep it vague in my head and just have a dark vision to it with the sound of them. It just allows me to sort of feel the presence more rather than analyze what it looks like.
2: And the reason for that is in a way, the way that it's written itself, because it's not an audio book where you can actually like have a lot more in depth and exactly be pinpointing the description of a thing. It's a podcast. The action needs to keep moving. And so you would never say I'm sitting across from a room and the, book is white and it says wicked on it and like you wouldn't describe (laughs) every single thing on it right so you describe just enough so you can get a sense of the monsters and then we describe the atmosphere because those are things that you would talk about it's like oh i'm really cold or i'm sweaty or it smells or blah 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 which are things that you wouldn't necessarily get if you're getting a you know a tv script you don't get that sort of immersive experience from tv that you do from audio and so the way that it's written, it just that it gives you enough. And then the creepy foley comes in just to surround it out. And then your brain, your brain can explode and come up with whatever monster that whatever you try to draw out and give like an actual physical representation of it will never match it because it is an immersive experience that you yourself have created in your own brain.
1: So, so true. What, what a cool power that, you know, a narrative podcast has. What did you see, John? When you when you sort of imagined these creatures? Yeah, you know,
0: um, I'm not sure if anybody else got this vibe. Maybe it was because of the, uh, the the sounds they made and all that. But uh, the first thing I thought of was Lovecraft um you know um i get that and especially from some of the descriptions you know um it's and, and i think even lance was talking about it the, uh the vagueness the uh the darkness the shadow i mean that's that's huge in love in lovecraft right like a, you can try and describe cthulhu and all these things and uh, you've seen artists renditions of them but there can be several of them because they're they're described in such a way so um for i i totally agree with with what's being said but uh, i will say I, I i wondered if mike had some sort of of uh uh, some inspiration from lovecraft in that universe because uh it definitely has that type of dark heavy vibe that you get from a lot of his works
2: it i mean i'm not going to speak for mike specifically but like you can't deny that it's there and i think that's why we're all sort of emotionally connected to it because it's referential but not derivative right like it's not something that's just like oh it's lovecraft and off you go like it's actually (laughs) it adds there's another layer to it um because because of like the weird like russian elements to it and so then you also have the labyrinth element to it which i guess is lovecraft but then you also have like all the the metallic clinical elements to it that even in as they're running through before they get to like the i'm gonna call it the basement but like clearly not the basement um under underground um there are sort of this the textures are so different and varied even though you have that dark ominous sort of lovecraft thing there's other elements you can kind of be like am I in Star Trek at times? No, just kidding. It's also this other thing. Oh, right. So it brings all of the creepy elements from basically a generic sci-fi horror kind of genre. Right. So it just, I think that it has so many layers and depths to it that I think that's why, yes, you can't deny the Lovecraft, but clearly a little bit more.
1: For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a beautiful sort of collage of, of referential uh, items for sure, but it's its own thing, which is pretty cool. Um, before we wrap up, I want to chat a little bit about some of the other characters we bump into either in the tunnels or on the phones, anything pop out for for you folks, as far as uh, those characters, the performances, the stories that they, uh, you know, when I started listening, I was like, wait, is this going to be two people this entire show? And luckily we found we had some more characters. Not necessarily a bad thing, but I was certainly more intrigued when we run into people like like uh, Tunnel Tarzan and, and the voices on the phone. So thoughts on those?
3: I think the, the interesting thing to me with, with Tunnel Tarzan in that it sort of established the probability that Sarah and Noah are just the most recent group. But then... By the end, when we realize that Noah may have been there a couple of years longer, it's like it sort of throws the well, freaking long has Tar- Tunnel Tarzan been there. And it's sort of, and again, it I was just, I think, even this afternoon, I was thinking, it's like it's possible that Tunnel Tarzan and Noah actually got grabbed, if that's in fact what happened at the same time. But Noah has been continually under experimentation for these two years where. Uh, Tunnel Tarzan may have escaped and he's been wandering around and it could turn out that uh, Tunnel Tarzan and Noah are actually part of the same group and Sarah came much later they just happened to escape at the same time so it just gives so many possibilities and that's the fun thing because I've already not the last couple episodes but I think there was only two episodes left I had a road trip so I listened to the whole series again and it's like you pick up little extra pieces, and it's like there's just so many options and where things can go, that it, it really great suspense leading into season two.
1: Agreed. Yeah, I love I love that we we've all sort of re-listened because it you get it's such a well-written show that you get these new clues uh, that that you didn't even necessarily realize were clues uh, without that second listen. John, well, what about that, you? Oh,
3: sorry. I think Lance wanted to jump in. Well, yeah, it was. It was when I first heard of the show, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to wait till they all drop and I'll just listen to it once because I'm a binge right. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I wanted to listen to the first episode just so I could offer, you know, some feedback to Brady. And when you, it's a friend of yours, you always get your fingers crossed, right? Oh, I hope this doesn't suck. because right. I, I don't want to <laughs> lie to him. I don't want to tell him this project's crap. So true. But I was only going to listen to the first one. I'm like, I'm going to wait. But it's like after that first one, I couldn't stop. I'm like, no, I got to listen to the second one. And I got to listen to the third. So it's like I had to wait throughout. So it was really nice. Cause you know, you've got 12 episodes spread out over, you know, two weeks piece. It's like, that's a pretty big period of time. So it was great to then be able to binge them over a three and a half hour car ride. And there was so many other elements that you, you just forget because there's so much depth to what's going on. So it was really great to, to give it a binge listen at the end of it all.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm a binger as well, Lance. And, uh, that's, uh, you know, I, I was doing the one episode at a time then I kind of took a break and did the whole kit and caboodle. And I, I really do think that's uh, that's a fun way to listen to it, and get it all up like that. But, um, you know, just as a radio guy, uh, one thing that I really wanted to, to mention is, because uh, we've talked about the quality of the writing, about some of the, the noises, the music that's used in the uh, in the production, um, as well the voice acting though. Um, you know, just because I think, um, Matt, you, you kind of asked that question too, like at the beginning when you're first listening, you're wondering if it's just going to be those those two characters and uh, just kind of talking um and you knew that they were gonna be very uh you knew that they were gonna give give a great performance of course those those are the two leads but uh the quality in some of the supporting characters as well i've been very impressed at how natural they sound um and of course i'm on the spot right now i can't remember his name but the the one guy that sarah met and he had a whole episode essentially to himself where he was dying um sorry do
1: you remember his name I'm gonna look it up right now.
2: <laughs>
0: the
1: Latino guy.
2: But yeah, you know, I loved him Rambo, was... wasn't it? Something was Rambo. It Rambo something. But
1: uh, you... Andres was the character's name. Yeah, and okay, no, I go. think
2: just internally didn't I think we called him like something oh, Rambo. I,
1: Rambo, <laughs> yes. Because no, like, he very
2: like in oh, per, the narrator
1: think, calls him Rambo, right? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah,
2: yeah. So like I think internally that's just anyways, sorry.
0: <laughs> no, no, and you know, like um, you know, uh listening not only to his monologue, because that's uh, you know, really difficult. I mean, I'm certainly not an actor, but I'm sure any actor will tell you that that's uh it's difficult to emote on command like that. But um, you know, when you can hear the wheezing in his breath as his last breaths are kind of coming, and you can hear his energy leaving his body because you know, as the monologue progresses, he's getting closer and closer to death. I thought that was so unbelievable and um I, I was actually quite disappointed that the character died because um yeah. that performance uh, I thought it was so great and I kind of wanted to get a little bit more about him. Um but at the same time I mean I think that's what a good uh, a good performance does right it leaves you wanting more. So um I think in not only in terms of the writing, the casting, just really everything that's gone into this podcast I think the one thing that really should be highlighted is just the quality of the voice work between all the performers that are in this. Um really be patting themselves on the back because it really really has been really amazing to listening to and i think a a big part of that is their energy and what they're bringing to the production so so i think you should
3: cross your fingers because noah has been healing at a strange rate there is no reason why it's impossible for uh for rambo to come back you never know You never know, right? What is his power? Yeah.
2: I mean, are we pretending like this is Disney and we're just now going to create a whole new show because we like the one character (laughs) that died in the one movie? Listen, prequel
1: series, yeah. There you go. (laughs) If the
2: fans want it, I'm saying bring a sponsor, do a whole campaign. I'm sure we can talk to somebody (laughs) about it.
3: The original novel, First Blood, Rambo Does Die yes that's right yeah how about that he dies in the novel
2: hilarious that the narrator has maybe used that same word i'm just saying you know that (laughs)
1: this season
2: has dropped little nuggets here and there about what's coming up so
1: right bring him
2: back start the chant (laughs) we'll get it going
1: well what about a season two though dila like like i i would love a spin-off show but are we are we getting a season two
2: Bring him back. Uh, <laughs> was there a doubt? Question mark? What? That's a yes? I don't know. We'll see. We've got, you know, there's this episode that's coming out. And there's other things that we'll be putting on um the feed. Just, like, stay okay. tuned. Like, I'm okay. sure. So it's,
1: <laughs> it's safe to uh, say that we'll be getting more content. For sure it's
2: safe to say that you will be getting other treats after this episode on this feed
1: okay so with that in mind, where do we think season two might go uh, Lance and John what are your thoughts on where where we go from here will will we send more messages out uh, to the narrator
3: well i I assume you know they they pretty much left off with their goal to get to the other side of that shaft to get to the ladder and try to climb out but i'm assuming to get there they may have to go further in and get sidetracked and not be able to get back because again you know the premise of the narrator getting all of those messages it's like they were obviously sent while they were at the the opening where they had that one bar yeah they had that one bar they sent out all those messages and again i've gotten a bunch of messages where they're out of order like the narrator said he got them all so it's true, like they could true. end up again, you run into a couple of creatures or a couple of guys with guns and you end up going back down different paths and they lose reception. And then we could have, again, hopefully an entire season two where they have to try to uh, get back to a, a an escape route and uh, an area of uh, reception again.
0: Love it absolutely. Hey, does anybody else think as well? Um, just because the narrator plays such a big part in this, I'm just curious. Does anybody else think that his story is is also really worth following? Because you know we hear these kind of funny little tidbits about what's going on in his life. The fact that his neighbor is angry that he's smoking, you know, that uh, he's smoking too much, so he has to go for a hearing and stuff like that. But um, maybe I'm reading too much into it. But he sounded a lot more together. And uh, uh, a lot, uh, maybe not so uh, harried as he does at the end, because he's obviously getting these voice messages. He's putting them together. He's getting the same story that we're getting. Um, Does it also seem like maybe he is, maybe his life isn't going so well? Maybe that, you know, this could have some implications on his life as well, you know, his his every day-to-day life, the narrator, because again, we're getting so much about uh, what's going on You know, of course, in Denver at the Denver Airport, that's where all the action is. But I feel like there might be some ramifications for him, just the emotional toil of essentially having to carry the story for so long and and put it
2: together. The answer to that is the answer to that is absolutely. <laughs> yeah. he and we'll find feel, out in season two. Where, right? Why did he start? <laughs> no, but seriously, no, truly, honestly, if we listen, like if you're paying attention to the narrator's story, not so much as a conduit for the story, but like him as a person, you very much learn that he started smoking because of these messages
1: that's true that's true and and so like he
2: didn't start like he picked it up again like he quit right, he was fine and then right. look at this i'm right back in it is basically yeah. one of the first things that we find out for good so, reason so clearly if nothing else his lifespan could be potentially shorter because he's smoking um so his health is already being impacted he clearly does not like the choir fan the choir that comes and sings about <laughs> So, like, I think he's a bit frazzled. Imagine also the impact of carrying the story, because what we know is that he's splicing this together, right? Like, he's getting potentially a whole bunch of messages from Noah, a whole bunch of messages from Sarah individually, and then he's kind of like trying to piece together the story.
3: Well, the the skeptic in me wants to take um, exception to you saying we know that. We don't know that this guy is not a total fraud trying to get attention with his podcast.
1: This and is true. this
3: entire escaping Denver premise is a work. We don't <laughs> know that 100% because we that must it, the, the authorities must think that he's a crackpot. Any final thoughts, everybody?
1: I think we'll oh, just thanks thing. so much
0: for enjoy, for inviting me just uh, really quickly. I really had a lot of fun today and uh, um, big, big, big fan of this series. So um, I know that Dila is not going to show her cards too much, but I do hope that uh, we get <laughs> bring to uh, look him back. To- <laughs> <laughs> we all get to see a great season two. And yes, that
3: you guys bring him back because, again, he is my favorite character, even if he is currently deceased. Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to because I'm optimistic that there will be a season two and will definitely binge the entire first season the day before it starts to get it all fresh back in my mind. And I, I think this is what I like also, too. I, I'm a, when I read a lot, but I like series because you get attached to characters and it's like. I want to spend more time with Sarah and Noah, and it's like when, assumingly, season two comes, it's like, it's like a you know getting back together with your friends, a reunion, and again, especially post pandemic, getting to see people again is a big deal, and yeah. just getting to hear from Sarah and Noah again, I'm actually looking forward to it.
2: Here's what I will say: It's like if you're. Like this show, and you're listening to this episode, and you're chanting and hashtag bring him back. I'm saying it's a campaign, we're all doing it. So, if you're one of these people and you want a season two, three, four, five, I don't know what they have planned, that could happen. Grab one person, maybe two, and really sit them down and that you think and just get them to listen. The more people listen, the more we'll be able to make this show. And honestly, like we believe in it. It's a huge success. Um, Like fiction podcasts are special and they require a lot from the audience because you have to trust them and not just think of a monster of the week type thing. You have to sit in and hold on for 13 episodes plus plus. Like, thank you. Thank you for that. So now grab somebody else and get them to be part of this community and part of these group of people so we can keep growing the show because we love it. Um, and we're happy to do it for you.
1: So true. So true. Uh, well said. And, and as we wrap up, uh, Lance, what about you? Where can we find out more about you?
3: Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Lance Storm, and I actually have a weekly wrestling podcast every Friday at the Wrestling Observer website. You can check it out there. Uh, I'm pretty much retired in ring now, so all of my workings and going on are behind the scene um, with the the weekly podcast on the Wrestling Observer website. Awesome!
1: And Dila, what's the best way to share the show? Like, what's the best thing we can do to? to, to point the audience and say, you know, here's how we can, we can help make more of this great content.
2: Um, I mean, wherever you're getting your streaming audio, really like we're on Spotify. So if you're a fan of Spotify, just search escape. Member. here we are. We are on Apple. We are on Stitcher. We are, you know, all of the above. And also you can find us at curiouscast.ca where you can find all of the other shows that we cover most, of them are, you know, from true crime to the ongoing history of new music. There's a little bit for everybody. Um, And we have another great fiction podcast, too, uh, called Marsfall. So if you want to check them out, give them a listen. It's about the future and colonizing Mars. That's all I'm going to say about that.
1: I love it. If you need something to listen to in the meantime.
3: And my piece of advice to help share the show, download and keep the entire thing on your phone so that when you're in a car ride you're stuck with one of your buddies and you're doing a long road (laughs) trip and the radio socks go hey i got something you could check out and you could play them the entire thing when you've got a captive audience and get people hooked
1: thank all three of you so much for joining me uh really fun conversation with with each of you uh and uh my name's matt waterworth uh thanks for joining us and uh stay tuned for more